here we go. Fall of 2020. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, Taylor Henry, and I am joined today by, can't even call you a guest anymore, Thomas Milsna. And November is here. Holy shit, this is exciting. Episode 65. We're going over November stuff or shit to do. And um, we got some hunting recaps. Weather report for November 2nd through the 8th. And top sits. Time is here. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. No, it's go time. That's for sure. So Tom, is uh, he's, he was a guest a couple weeks ago. Episode 61, I think. Um, we have a large, large announcement coming up, but we're going to get through this first part first. So that means you have to listen and not fast forward or, or leave. Cause it's, this is probably the most important podcast in 1080 outdoors history right now. That's, that's a bold statement, but I can get behind it. We haven't had that many important ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Any recap? Have you been hunting at all? Yeah, been out a handful of times when conditions were favorable. I uh, had an encounter with what was my number one buck. Kind of walked up on him while he was up shifting beds. I was trying to make a move on an afternoon sit. Was never able to make another move on him, and sadly, the neighbor was. So he's off the list. But. Uh, Ooh. Do you know what he ended up scoring or anything? Uh, I haven't got the official numbers, but I'm guessing probably mid-160s, low-160s, somewhere in there. Good deer. Definitely a good deer. Five-year-old deer. Very solid deer. Otherwise, now it's just kind of uh, trying to find the next deer and dial things in. Do you have any on the <clears throat> on the list? Yeah, a couple more. Not Not consistent. Definitely not residents, but they're moving. Obviously, they're moving a lot more now. Most bucks are in their fall pattern, which is making things a little bit easier once you do find them. Uh, you know, the, the clock's ticking now, and now it's just a game of pressure and where those deer feel comfortable. And, mm-hmm. and obviously does. You know, does are huge. So these bucks are, especially the mature bucks, are out, and they know their areas where they can find those old does that are going to come into estrus first. And, but... It's pins and needles. A lot of pressure already. All the crops are off, so that doesn't help. And in your area, cover. not in mine. I keep waiting for these cornfields to get taken. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? It's like they hold deer, but when they're off, then if that's what was holding your deer, <laughs> then the deer are gone. So. Yeah, and, well, this this location, I want the cornfields. Well, I, I know I'm going to probably lose deer for a couple of days when they're first cut, and then... <clears throat> And be the last food standing in the area. That's the plan, at least. Um, my hunting recap is I'm playing a game with the buck called V-Town, um, a game that I am not winning. Uh, I'd say I've thrown a couple sits at him in the last week. 
kind of have them narrowed down in a certain area. Uh, the other night, he he uh, daylighted. I got him on a cell cam in a spot that I should have been had the right wind for it. <clears throat> Worked a little bit too late. Didn't get out there, so I went out to another farm. Um, I personally haven't seen shit. Like I haven't had much action at all. Uh, I kind of get in. I feel like I get into these not like a good rut, but this is a bad rut. This last week of October, a lot. It's just so hit and miss. Yeah, I see the same thing. You know, I think a lot of it depends on just what's in your area and what's going on. But this year has been kind of strange. I think. You know, just the timing of the full moon has those deer moving a lot more at night. So a lot of your afternoon sits are, are good, but we had this cold stretch too, so they're shifting food sources, and now it's going to warm up again, so they're going to shift food sources again, which just kind of makes it hard. You're, you're losing consistency, and and then again, it's at the time of year where those bucks are shifting in their fall range. So, yeah, it's it can be hit or miss. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely not playing a numbers game. You know, I don't have a lot of mature deer to – to you know just sit out and, and wait for something to happen so you really have to really have to be dialed in to have any encounters at all yeah yeah i uh are you a big moon guy then i'm not i'm not a big moon guy um you know i i definitely look at the weather more than anything the wind and the weather but you know obviously when there's a bright full moon and, and a clear night you know those nights where we can see plain as day out in the field those deer are gonna be moving a lot more at night than they were and then they will be during the day. So it's definitely, you know, it gets them moving. So, you know, it can be an advantage or it can be a disadvantage just depending on the timing. I think right now the afternoon sits are probably going to be a lot better, well, for the next couple of days. But in a week or so, then the morning sits will probably be a lot better. Yeah, you're, you're kind of along that rule of <clears throat> seven days leading up to a full moon, afternoons, seven days after mornings yeah this is probably the first year that i've actually been like <clears throat> tracking that and i would say the last one did did somewhat follow that like i did just trail camera stuff mm -hmm. um so i'm yeah i'm not i'm not sold on it or anything but i've also never paid a ton of attention to it either yeah and i kind of you know the way i see it too is at the end of the day you have to hunt when you can hunt especially this time of year so if you have a three-day window and you only have one day to hunt, you can't always play the moon, but you can play the weather a lot more. You know, If you're looking yep. for a specific wind direction to get into an area, then pick that day that has the right wind you know, for that area and don't really bank on the moon. But you know, And it also comes down to your setup, too. If, if you're only really hunting a food source, then you're going to have to hunt the evening. You can't really hunt a food source in the morning. So you know, depending on, or regardless of what the moon's telling you, if it's going to be a better morning sit or an evening sit, you kind of just have to work with what you have and, and adjust accordingly. All right. Um, so I'd say if we, you know, look at the weather, so we're going to go to the weather forecast for the next week. And just to give you guys a heads up, we are recording this a little bit early on um, Wednesday, the 29th. So I wouldn't, don't like come after us if this weather report isn't ideal. It's actually Thursday. Oh, is it Thursday? Yeah, it is Thursday. Jesus. Weeks flying by. We've been busy. Um, secret coming up. So, <clears throat> looking ahead. I mean, first week of November here. And it's it's not going to be like anything. <laughs> this is different weather than what we've dealt with the last few years. 
got Monday looking like it'll be a high of 50, and that's going to be the coolest day of the week, it looks like. And then you got 58, 62, 61, 55, 56 with a really nothing, like no change. Like there's no pressure rising or falling. There's no like big front coming in. There's no precipitation showing. The wind is consistent from Monday through the weekend. I, I mean, there's not really much for me. There's not much for us to even like give you besides looks like Sunday night will be really windy and then Monday morning would probably be the best sit, but I'm not even sure if you're going to hear this before then. So I don't know. You see anything there? I don't really see it. Like there's no, it's just, it's going to be one of those things. Like you have a buck in the area you want to go after. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this earlier. You want to play the weather a lot, but this time of year, you really just need to be in the woods. And really, 60 degrees during the day isn't too terribly warm. I mean, it's it's obviously more probably know, 10 degrees higher above average. Than what's ideal, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the big issue there is it's just consistent. You know, it's consistent wind direction. Like you said, no rising pressure, no fronts moving in. Well, you got sunny day, sunny day, mostly sunny day, partly cloudy day. Yeah, there's just it's the good thing is if you have your cell cams out or you're out in the woods and you see bucks in certain areas they're probably not going to leave that area because they have no reason to if they don't get bumped so they're going to find those bedding areas they're you know they're shadowing those does right now and and the wind's going to be consistent so they're just going to go from food to bed bed to food back and forth and so if you can find them you can you can make a move hopefully but they're not going to be up and running like crazy like you would hope yeah i would target waters i'm when i look at this all i'm seeing is i'm going to hunt um water sources a lot it looks like yeah especially in the mornings yeah yeah i've caught <clears throat> some pretty good bucks heading to ponds mid-morning um that's i mean that's but i don't really we don't even have i don't even have like three sits to pick because it's just all kind of the same so it's it's gonna be really dependent on on your scenario and what you have going on um positives though shouldn't complain about sitting in the stand like it's gonna be nice It'll be comfortable. Compared to the last few years where it's been, like, brutally cold and sitting all day has been, like, a chore, um, it's going to come down to your mental fortitude here because you can't use cold as an excuse this year. So food sources, obviously, if a cut cornfield just got cut, they're still good. They're still hot. Um, I did have beans on here because the last couple of weeks I did see a lot more action in beans, but I'm guessing that's going to change a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I'd say, yeah, green food source with this warmer weather, like the clover fields and alfalfa are going to live a little longer. It looks like. Yeah, definitely. Um, main hunts, uh, funnels and pinch points mid morning, I think starts producing. We're going to get into this a little bit more later. Um, and I'd add in water sources there. Anything else on this next week for them? Get out in the woods. Yeah. I mean, hunt smart, play the wind. <clears throat> you've still got a couple weeks of season here before gun season rolls around. So what do we tell the guy that has this week off? Cause there's some people that probably took this vacation week off. Yeah. A lot of time on the stand. A lot of time. I mean, like you said, it's, it's going to be comfortable. You know, you're not, it's not going to be those long windy rut sits where you're yeah. just where you're completely like, <laughs> beat by the end of the first day. It can pain when you get in your car and yeah. you start getting warm. So take advantage of that. And like I said, 60 degrees isn't, it's not 80 degrees. I remember 10 years ago during this week, it was 80 degrees out and 
you see deer they're panting you're sweating just thinking about being in the woods 60 degrees is comfortable obviously like you said it's warmer than what we want it to be but they'll be moving i mean they're gonna move they're just not gonna be moving as crazy as they i killed a buck i think in i think it was 2016 then so i think it was the last (laughs) election um november 10th and it was like 70 and i remember sitting in the stand that morning and it'd been you know a grind and i was talking shit to the camera i was like i'd forgot my phone like (laughs) it was getting november 10th like you'd been doing it you know i at that time i'd probably been doing it like two weeks straight because i'd taken vacation and i'm like I don't see a deer. It's so stupid. It's so warm. Like I was complaining about the weather then. Turkeys are gobbling. Like this literally feels like a fucking spring morning. Like what the hell? Yeah. And ten thirty that morning, buck came through, through chasing a doe, grunting and. Yeah, I mean one thing's for sure. This time of year, those bucks are only doing one of two things, right? They're they're seeking a doe or they're tending a doe. So if you find one that's already bred his doe and he's peeled off her. And he's going to be moving. Yeah. And honestly, I, I've gotten to the point where I really like that second week better, at least on the farms that I hunt. Um, and whenever this this warm front does move out, it's going to – I'd say there's going to be some type of eruption. Yeah. Because <laughs> whatever's coming after this is going to – I mean, that is – we're looking at probably a week almost straight of 50-plus. 50 so whenever that goes by and probably going to get some rain or precipitation coming in, yeah, I could see a big snowstorm coming in after this or something. Like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if we had, like, the last 60-degree day and then, like, a three- or four-inch snowstorm's coming behind it? I'd prefer that not to happen. <laughs> you don't like snow? <laughs> well, I don't I don't mind it. But a lot of times, you know, just like this last cold front, you, we always expect a cold front to, mm-hmm. to get deer moving. But sometimes when you get a cold front and a dumping of snow, those deer don't move a ton. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like a shock shock factor yep. to them and they kind of hold up for a couple of days and and then once the sun comes out then they start moving again but yeah i mean i'm not against it it just adds more to it and i also don't have a real great winter food sources to hunt so if i had a standing bean field then yeah that'd be great <laughs> that's what i got yeah. first time ever i know what you're saying man. i'll tell you maybe i'll sit next to you in that blind <laughs> yeah. there. We'll crank up the heater oh yeah i'm looking for, well that's what it's like last like four years i'm like i need to get some blinds because i just you know time in the woods and you just get worn down in the stand like i don't even care like if they're not ideal if you can just at least sit somewhere all day and i mean who knows what can happen but now we're looking at 60s the first year i actually have blinds to sit in. yeah <laughs> but <clears throat> well like you said anything can change too you got a couple weeks oh yeah and- i mean I think my biggest mistake too in the previous years is I got, I hunt so, I hunted so hard last week of October, first week of November that I was like worn down by that eighth, ninth, 10th. And I realized that those years, cause I said, you know, I'd like give up or be a little baby about it. I was also partying a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you realize on trail cameras, like, 10th 11th 12th like that's when the big big boys were actually up and moving so yeah. i don't know if it's like they get locked down here like they probably i mean think about it they've been walk, like the biggest bucks on the property have been nosing around the does for how long not to mention they've done this how many years like they get their first pick yes so you get into the science of of the rut it's it's proven you have to go into case studies and, and read some scientific material but they've drawn the conclusion that the does do select their buck and they and it 
and it does there is some proof showing that they select them off uh, antler size <clears throat> so with that being said you live in the same areas forever do you think that the biggest buck in the area is probably going to have his first dibs right away yeah oh and those mature bucks they know where those older does are so they yeah they move into those been areas. banging for years yep. man they exactly they move in the areas they just shadow them and and they work things out you know <laughs> They get together. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's peaceful. Sometimes sometimes not it's so much. like disturbing. I remember yeah. uh, I saw some things when I was copping, working overnight shifts. Watched a buck completely gore a doe, like just hit like a probably one fifty one sixty. She's trying to get across the road, and he was standing in the middle of a highway, just and just ramming her. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It was like disturbing, kind of. <laughs> like yeah. they're wild animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that a couple times before, too. Just they put their head down and just bulldoze them right into the brush. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. Uh, yeah. I'm starting to see pictures, too, of, of bucks locked up. Yep. That's definitely been happening a lot this week. Um, and I'd say yesterday was probably the first day on, on cell cams that I saw legit um, three, four year old bucks moving midday, too. I don't know if you have you seen any of that yet. I haven't seen much, but like I said, the. The area I'm working with right now doesn't have a ton of mature deer, so I, you know, I'm getting a lot of action from two-year-olds and and a couple three-year-olds here and there. But as far as age class goes, I think I'm on my radar right now. I've got maybe maybe two four-year-olds and one five-year-old that again are not very consistent. So they could be on the other side of the valley on the neighbors and running around like crazy, and I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say one of one of the bucks looked like a, to be a four-year-old that was moving yesterday, and I saw he I had him on cameras at 11 a.m. and then 1 p.m. too. Um, <clears throat> if it w- if it, w- it would have been one of the shooters, I would, I'd probably be like freaking out, but it's not one of the ones I'm really going after. So, but it's a good sign. So, I think we'll move into November. Well, should we announce the big secret, the big free agent signing for 1080 yeah, Outdoors? I drawn it out long enough man we've been on the edge of their seat (laughs) (laughs) well we've been just locked in rooms here in uh, negotiations for the last since tom left the last podcast so after the last podcast um obviously tom knows what he's talking about um i think we both have a a good direction on where we want to go here and we decided to start working together and we have a pretty cool thing that we are are trying to launch (laughs) and by the time this podcast is out it should be live but i guess before we get into that tom kind of go into i guess reintroduce yourself to the crowd kind of what's your goals with us starting to work together and then um, anything else you want to tell people yeah i mean we talked we talked for quite a while uh before and after the podcast and like you said i think both of our goals kind of line up we we both are very avid outdoorsmen both are students of the white-tailed deer right i mean we're constantly trying to learn constantly trying to get better but we both have a passion to help other people at the same time so you know i've spent the last 10 years in the outdoor industry helping customers you know succeed in in many ways uh really always had this dream or these bigger goals of of getting more hands-on with individuals and and when we sat down and talked we we both kind of had that idea, so we decided it was time to kind of com- combine our brains and and push forward with this. And and uh, I guess I'll let you kind of 
explain what our what our plans are here yeah. as we release this stuff. So <clears throat> I think the big one to get off, like I, I look I look back a couple of years ago, and I mean even now, I'm, I'm by no means been saying we know everything or we're perfect. Um, but I always was just like, why can't I just get the information I want? Like I just like like you you can watch every YouTube video, listen to all these podcasts, and you can get all this information. But it just seems like I don't know if there's like people that just kind of like hold back, or it's more like it's like a social media thing. So you're always like have these like catchy headlines but then there's like not as much context behind what's in what's the their ultimate goal right are they yeah actually, like actually trying to give you a solid info or are they just trying to kind of bait the hook to pull you in and get right and, and buy their products or something right i get it like i i so like you look at the business model of like having sponsors and ha- and like it's all about getting people to click on stuff um and there's tons of of awesome people out there that, that put out amazing content but f- I just thought there was this thing missing where I was like, if we could just provide people resources in a learning like environment where it's, Hey, it's nothing more than this. Like we don't have to be super entertaining. I don't have to like sit in front of the camera and be fake and be like, Hey, like this jacket makes, makes, I mean, it's the only way I'm killing bucks. I mean, if I, if I don't wear this jacket, I'm like, so it's it's always frustrating because you're always like, trying to understand what's going on or how, what they're explaining. And it's like difficult. And there's never like a, Hey, reach out. Like a, there's never that one-on-one or like interaction with the person who's really even talking about it. So with that being said, I think, um, well, Tom quit his job. So we got to figure out how the hell he can make some money here. So what, what we are, what we came up with is a digital <clears throat> course. So it's an online video, like modules, course where we are going through and it costs a little bit of money but if you don't buy a um, two 18 packs of Bud Light for the next week you'll cover it and we go through essentially we're we're pulling everything out of our brains about the rut and like that's where we're starting and what it's what it's going to end up being is I think a series of essentially we're going to break down every part uh, th- a full year of a whitetail hunters land managers life essentially yeah. from <clears throat> buying and owning property which is most people's dreams we're going to get into that plus we're going to continue to do it um optimizing properties you know moving into hunting tactics so it fit like and all this fits for anybody so like the rut challenge is what we're calling it 2020 rut challenge it should be out right now. I'll include a link on the uh, podcast, but it's also I think the URL is just um, rutchallenge.com or or something. I'll make sure to look at that. But it's it's a it's a different way for people to consume information, and there's no there's no barrier. Like there's no like we don't want to give out too much information. Like we're not, it's like a catchy headline and there's no context behind it. Like it's just, it's literally a, like it's a digital course. So if you went to college or if you've ever consumed any type of digital course, um, it's kind of like the new way of people learning. Yeah. It's going to allow you to sit down, soak up information, quality information, not a, not a sales pitch on a product, right? You don't need this or that to kill these deer. It's just the core concepts and solid explanations of everything 
we've done to be successful and, and the things that you can look at, you know, from, from a very high level all the way into details. And, you know, as these, as we put these courses out, we're going to dig into more details and more tactics and things just to kind of build up understanding of everything that we've done throughout the years and, and through our experiences. But it, with the digital course, I think it's just great because like you said, it's a, small fee you know it's rut challenges it's nothing really i mean no it, most people spend that in a week's worth of lunches it's or, the same as what people used to charge for like their dvds yeah and yep. probably less and you're getting quality information um like taylor said it, it's not going to be super entertaining but that's not the point of it right the point is to give you information that you can utilize and you have it as a, a digital course so you can watch it go back watch it again take notes we're gonna we're actually gonna push tools out too to kind of help you uh, formulate your own plans. Um, you know, that was one of the big things that we talked about is the, one of the most important things that we do is come up with a plan to hunt, you know, and, and you don't have to have a great plan when you start, but you have to have a plan to start with. So you can always go back and adjust that once you obtain new information. And we're just, we're trying to promote that and help you give you some tools to kind of get you started. You know, you're going to find things that work well for you, uh, the way you hunt, where you hunt, you know, just what your property offers you. Um, but you're also going to, you're going to open your eyes. We're going to, we're going to help you open your eyes to a lot of things that, you know, might be completely new concept to you, or it might just be another way to look at it and help you understand it a little bit better. So we're definitely excited. To yeah. See those and that, like where you were talking about that tool, like we use, we, we've used things all the time. So like I have tons of spreadsheets and tons of like, like word documents that I fill out. So like in this challenge, it's just like a simple, it's a simple, like, rut plan where you, you know, we make you list out all of your stands. We make you list out all the conditions that you, um, would, would want to hunt those stands, the previous encounters that you've had. Um, <clears throat> and the, and make, by making you spend money to buy these type of things, it holds you more accountable to complete the, the stuff. Cause I think it, the most, when we sat back and we're like, what's the most important thing that we do that it just, I don't think everybody's doing and i think we're so meticulous about um our data like keeping track of what we see the encounters that we've had drawing conclusions or drawing theories on what we're seeing from trail cameras to actual encounters in the woods and then putting it out um i think a lot of people are just visual people so like i put things out on whiteboards i put things out on on dot word documents i put things in spreadsheets and i and i flush everything out that's probably in my brain and then you just look at them differently. Yeah. So we, I, and I think it'll help people just giving them the tools, asking them the questions in those documents to pull that out of their brain. Cause it's just, it's not always that easy to like know, like even it just as simple as like list your stands out. Like how many times who, who like, I don't think that many people do that. No. And, and like, and, yeah, we've really narrowed this down. You know, this rut challenge specifically is what we're talking about right now. You know, we're, we've really narrowed this down to those core concepts and the, the questions that we ask ourselves before we come up with a plan and not, uh, you know, do I need to buy this? Do I need to use these scents? Is it too late to do this? Is it too early yeah. to do that? You know, we get questions all the time on all sorts of topics. You know, should I be calling more? Am I missing out by not rattling? Should I use a scent drag? None of that stuff really matters at all. If you're not in the right spot, if you don't pick the right stand location to begin with, or if you're hunting that area the wrong way, you know, you can be hurting yourself more than anything just by stepping foot in the woods from the wrong direction on your property. And those are just things that we want to help you look at, you know, break down again with these questions. Have you answered the questions 
that we lay out there and look at your property, you know, look at like visually look at everything and, and kind of get a better feel and better understanding for how to hunt deer during this, you know, the climax of the entire whitetail rut, you know, the next two weeks, three weeks of the season, everything's. Yeah. Everything's I mean, this is, this is what everyone dreams of, but it's not, I mean, I, you have the day, like you have the weeks where you sit and you don't see anything. So it's like these little things have started it like piles up to give us more. It's just, it, it, my hunting has completely changed. Like what we were, what I was doing four years ago, five years ago is not even a, it, you don't even resemble what I do now. And then my success from four or five years ago, where I saw nothing for weeks, like what I was talking about earlier, where like I was so worn down by the 12th or four, like 12th or 14th of November that I couldn't even hunt anymore. Yeah. And I hadn't seen a mature buck that whole time. Like that, that, that doesn't even, that's not even fathomable to me right now. Yeah, and this time of year, you know, you're kind of on the clock. And I've said it before, right? I have a love-hate relationship with the rut. Yep. Because especially when you're hunting small properties, which most people are on a relative scale, you can be in one spot and it can be the most exciting time of the year or two, 300 yards away, you won't see a single deer for days. Yep. And it's, that's just how it is. You know, those deer get in those pockets that they feel comfortable and they don't move. So you know, a lot of this is understanding what makes a good location to hunt and, and pushing you to seek out the information to find out where those locations are on your property so you can make the most of this rut. Yeah, and it all came from you know, our friends and family and, and now other people that we don't even know messaging in and asking these questions. You know, We can sit back and, and answer the same questions over and over and over again, or this is a more... Um, it's just a better situation for, for both involved. The person asking a question, now they can go into this. They can consume all this content. If they have additional questions, they can say, hey, I didn't understand in like the like the second section two or module one, like when you were talking about like winds and thermals, like I'm just not getting it for whatever reason. Like, all right, well, what are you not getting? They Then they can, you know, kind of explain like what, what are they not understanding? And we can go in and either correct the content or add some more stuff in there so the next person can understand it. So it's just like this ever-evolving kind of membership area that is always going to be changing. We're going to be adding to it throughout November. And the and thing is, too, like especially like you look in like Wisconsin and, you know, Minnesota and and uh, some of these higher-pressure states that are going to be getting into gun season soon, like this stuff is is good for that, too, because it's kind of the same, same ideas. We were talking about that earlier, like, when gun season happens, they're not running chasing does, but they're running from people and they're still taking the same corridors. Like, lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are, are pretty basic core concepts. And, you know, again, I've worked in the outdoor industry for the last 10 years and it's kind of mind boggling how many people you talk to that just completely blow past those main concepts of hunting. It doesn't matter if you're hunting a white tailed deer or a pronghorn antelope. Mm-hmm. If you're not paying attention to the wind direction, you're going in there with a handicap right off the bat. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing in this is we're really going to, yeah. Wind is, yeah, like I said, wind is king, right? You got to pay attention to the wind, but it's it's hard for people to understand, you know, just the wind, right? We always think, you know, in its simplest form, you want the wind in your face, right? And that's assuming that the deer are going to come from in front of you. But we dig a lot deeper into that. You know, the wind dictates where those bucks are even going to be when the sun comes up that day, you know, where they want to be. When the sun's going down, where are they going to feed? How are they going to move? And how are you going to get in and out of that location and hunt them without them knowing that you're in there hunting them? I mean, that's 
really at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to to kill a mature deer, right? Is, is hunting a deer yep. before it knows that you're hunting a deer. Yeah. And understand how they are using the factors that, and you end up like, I don't know. I look at it almost like I'm hunting. Like the way I hunt is almost how a buck lives. Yep. Like I think about like, okay, what, like, I think, I think about him all day, every day. Like, what do you do? What are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. is he just laying <laughs> around? Is he in the sun today? Is he just like, what's he like? What's he peeking down into? Like, he's just watching some fucking access place or something. Like, I think about him all day, every day. It's an issue. Yeah. I think I say on the on the um on my bio on the website like I, I like I don't know what stage I'm in and I don't know what the end stage is in, but I got a mental problem. Oh yeah, I think we're on the same. Got page a disease. It, but that's, I guess, uh, to our listeners, right? Like. This is your opportunity to take advantage of our problems <laughs> because I'm in the same boat. I, probably 12 years ago or so is when I you know, stopped just like hunting and really started to obsess with a specific deer. And the same thing, you're, you're thinking all the time. You're not just, okay, where's he going to be this weekend when I want to hunt? But, you know, I'm at home 70 miles away from where I hunted. I'm wondering, where's that deer going to be tonight? You know, what's he going to do? And you come up with these plans two months outside of season and you kind of jot notes down, you're taking notes here, you're looking at the weather and then you go back and you check those cameras and they're kind of confirming your beliefs yeah. or, or your theories, right? You're, okay. I think that deer is going to move from here to here when the weather's doing this. And then you get that picture and it doesn't happen all the time, but you get that picture and you're like, okay, now you're on to something. We've basically been doing that for, for a decade, just obsessing nonstop. And it, it just, well, decade I was still in high school because you're a little older than me. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hitting it hard here because like I'm on that like I feel like I it's like I want to tell people what is going into my brain right now because I like I can like feel myself figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I've been hitting it hard now, well, three four years, and I'm not getting like literally. I had to figure out a way to get out of my job because I couldn't handle having to work. I could not handle having any type of constraint during hunting season. Now I look at it, and I do have constraints still, but. Like I had to figure out a way to control my own hours, control my own life. And like that literally drove me out of my own job, got me into the business world. Yeah. Like that's how bad it is. Like I can't control myself. It's like, I think like in my perspective, like you're getting someone who's like getting it. Like I'm starting to get it and I want to tell everyone about it. I want to help other people do it. Tom, Tom has, Thomas, Jesus, don't call him Tom. That's a bad one, I guess. Thomas has literally, like, I mean, he has all the proof you need. He literally has all the proof. Like, I mean, I don't know. You want to list the bucks that you shot? They're they're insane. And he's not hunting high. He's not hunting. There's probably not even fences on your property. Yeah, I mean. I mean, you're hunting. You have, like, 18 people there, like, just ruining the area, too. Yeah, I hunt a highly pressured area. Tons of pressure on the farm. Tons of pressure from the neighbors. I mean, it's in the heart of Amish country. I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, I mean, there's no, it's, it's yeah. I mean, anyone that's hunted near Amish can relate to that too. You know yeah. I mean? When I met you and you explained to me what the property was and I was like, holy shit. And you still got the, you're getting the results you're getting. Well, a lot of it came from the obsession, right? And yeah. And that's why, you know, a lot of these things, a lot of these concepts and ideas that we want to share with people or these questions that we're going to ask, these are all things that over the years, I had to learn on my own. Yeah. You know, I grew up hunting. I grew up in a hunting family, right? I'm, I'm very thankful for that because they kind of promoted that passion. But killing a deer with a bow was a nearly impossible task. Like growing up, I never even knew it was, knew it was possible. You know, and 
and if, a, if someone in our family shot a deer with a bow, then, then finding it was another thing, right? That's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. But just getting a deer into bow range, a, a decent deer, was nearly impossible. And we didn't have tools like this. You know, that, that wasn't in the podcast era. The internet was barely even around. So you're out there, you're just learning all these things. And once you start to understand, okay, the wind's blowing this way. Well, that deer came from over there. That doesn't make sense. And then you start looking at a map and you start scouting and, and walking through these areas after season and like, oh, okay, I guess that does make sense, right? And you start putting two and two together and then you develop your own tools. You know, like, like I said, the, these spreadsheets and everything that we both run, I do a lot of mine just pencil and paper because it's just like a memory thing. Mm-hmm. I start writing all this stuff down and then it just kind of programs your brain to think about it. But you start looking at all these these different factors and then you start to develop these patterns in your own brain. You know, you get a history with one deer and maybe you're chasing that same deer that season or the next season or a couple seasons down the road, you get another buck that's kind of doing the same thing. And now all of a sudden you're already one step ahead of that deer without even stepping foot on the property because you already understand that area. You know, it can be as simple as you see this deer go into this pocket at a certain time of the day. Okay, now you kind of understand because this deer that you were paying so much attention to a couple of years ago did the same thing. And you make a move and then all of a sudden it clicks and you get down in there and you understand the wind. And there's just, there's a lot of factors that come into play to consistently kill mature deer. And it's very hard to just listen to a podcast as you're listening to this podcast, right? It's very hard to listen to a podcast and implement those things. So that's why we really wanted to develop these tools and ask the right questions and have you sit down and take it serious and look at those things and, and, and lay them out in front of you, obtain the information if you don't have that information, go out and find that information. And this might not be a, a you know, pay the money, run the course, go kill a buck thing right now. There's a good chance you will. But it, it might be one of those things where you spend the next two weeks hunting in the woods and now your eyes are, are open to this information yeah. that you that's out there. It's, it's right in front of your face all the time. And, and most people just kind of overlook it. And, and you're missing out there because all that stuff comes into play, whether, again, whether it's this season or next season or the season after. I mean whitetail hunting or hunting as humans in general it's a long game right if we were if we were built to kill an animal right off the bat we'd be a lot faster we'd have a lot sharper teeth and we'd be able to smell a lot better too right? well and if we had if we had the you have to kill or you die we'd probably be a little better at it too <laughs> yeah well i mean if you hunt that way you're going to be a better hunter that's for sure yeah <laughs> so i think that that's what you just said there's a good point uh, i had someone message me the other day he's kind of getting new into hunting and he's like, I just, I got tired of the one farm. He got permission on. I was tired of sitting there not seeing anything. I'm like, bro, it ain't even fuck. It ain't even November yet. Like, were you tired already? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I've been hunting like a lot, and I'm like, he's just worn down, getting already mentally worn down. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, it is a mental grind. It's 80 to 90 percent of this battle is a mental one. It is a grind, especially right now. I get into this. It is mental. It is a mental grind. You spend the hours on the stand, and you if you still, you know, you're staying smart. You're still taking care of your access. Like you're you're still thinking about every sit that you're doing because like I've gotten to that point too, where it's like everything's getting loosey goosey too, and it's just you're not paying attention to shit. You're walking in louder than you were a week ago, and then all of a sudden, or you're looking at your phone for two hours straight on the stand, and all of a sudden you look up and there's something there. Um, it's a mental game, and you, I mean, name me something else that you work. Literally, I mean, I worked all year for this, yeah. all year, and it all comes down to probably 10, 15-second window, and you have to capitalize on it. Yeah, and I think that's 
There's nothing else like it. That's important. That's why we do it. That's an important thing to talk about right now as we come into November. Right? It is you really need to mentally prepare yourself because it's very easy to get discouraged. Now, the comfortable weather ahead of it's us gonna is, help. is gonna help a lot. But it's probably gonna lower on sightings too, so yeah. it's gonna but last year, just just a quick story on on the mental grind, right? And every year it happens. It, usually for me, I've got decent intel and a, and a pretty good feeling about moving in on an early season deer, or it's a, just a mad scramble all season long to try and track down another mature buck, which is where I'm at right now. I had this deer, picked him up. I didn't really have history with him this year, but I picked him up early in the season. Should have made moves earlier than I did, and you know, kind of missed an opportunity there. And now I'm in, in a mad scramble to try and figure out an, another mature deer before the gun season hits, and then all the pressure's added and, and all bets are off, right? Basically, my season's over once gun season hits. But last year was a grind. And, uh, you know, I was after one buck specifically and actually had him in bow range my first sit of the, first sit of the season. But he came in from behind me, he got bumped, didn't happen. He ended up getting killed by the neighbors. So, again, back to a mad scramble to find another mature deer. Ended up finding a mature deer at the end of October. And uh, he, he just, you know, I couldn't get a good, good lead on him. Was trying to play it smart because at this point in, in the season, you know, those deer are in those areas mostly because pressure has pushed them there. So you, you really have to hunt smart, and, and you're always walking on eggshells when you hunt high-pressure deer because a lot of times you only make you only get one or two moves yeah. before they're blown out of the area. But as far as the mental grind goes, last year on Halloween, I always try to make a point to hunt Halloween. I've had a lot of luck on Halloween, a lot of success on Halloween, so I always try to make a point. I got permission from the neighbors to access a, a stand down in a, a creek bottom from a different direction. I thought, I thought I was making some really clever moves on a deer. So I left work early Friday afternoon, I, I believe it was, or Thursday afternoon, yep. I, I don't remember. And uh, I, I took my e-bike and I went down, made the long loop around. It was like a three mile bike ride. Obviously it's not a big deal when you're on a bike. And I cut across this neighbor's field. It was a, a disked up field, so it was bare dirt. And I think we had a little bit of snow the day before, and it all kind of melted off. So I'm going across this field. I get, you know, the field itself is probably about three-quarters of a mile, half mile long. I get about two-thirds of the way across it, hit a spot in the field that's just tons of clay, like a real clay <laughs> clay loam in there. Sunk in? Well, no, it started sticking to the tires on the bike. Oh. It started sticking on the tires on the bike so bad that it was building up, and eventually it started building up around the forks on the front, and the front wheel locked up. Like I couldn't even pedal the bike. I couldn't push the bike. There was nothing I could do. I was about probably 500 yards from the stand, so I figured not a big deal. I'll just dump the bike here and, and, and walk the rest of the way. So I dumped the bike, got to the stand. I was all excited about the stand, you know, hopelessly optimistic, I guess, and uh, sat there all night, never saw a deer, not a single deer. Heard one walking through the woods on the hill, probably 100 yards above me, but never saw it, could never really confirm what it was. So I was feeling kind of down and out. On top of that, when I got back to the bike, the clay mud that had built up on the tires had now frozen solid oh. because the temp dropped about 15 degrees. So I spent about 20 minutes <laughs> with a pocket knife chiseling pottery off this bike tire so that I could pedal back home. On top of that, my battery wasn't fully charged up, so I ended up pedaling. It wasn't even an e-bike, and if you've ever ran an e-bike, you know that it's a heavy frame bike. So yep. I ended up having to pedal this thing back home, and it was just I was just beat down. I had plans to hunt that whole weekend. 
and I was just worn out. You know, it's, it's that mental grind again. I was exhausted. So I just packed everything up, went back home, got a good night's sleep in my own bed and kind of regrouped. And then the next night or two nights later, I went out and I uh, sat in an observation stand again, just trying to pick up some breadcrumbs to lead me towards this one deer. And didn't see very much. I saw a couple bucks that night. It was just horribly windy. The, the wind was brutal and it was cold and this observation stands on a high point in the hill. And again, I was just exhausted. But I knew I needed a south wind to hunt a very specific area. So the next morning rolled around and I was, I was dragging. You know, I, I did not want to get out of bed. My lips were chapped, face was wind burnt. But I did, I pushed myself out of bed. I biked to this spot. I carried a tree stand on my back up this super steep hill, got set up just in time. And the buck I was after came from exactly where I expected him to come from, heading into the bedding area that I expected him to bed on a south wind and I killed him. And up until that point, I was doubting everything. What was yeah. the day of that? Uh, November 4th. Okay. November 4th. But, again, you, it's very easy to get down on yourself, very easy to doubt your decisions. It's a grind. It, it really is. You just, at the end of the day, you just have to hunt smart, play the wind, pay attention to what's going on, and, and sit in the spot that's going to give you the best chance that you have. Yeah. And that's really all you can do. And. If you don't have a great chance, again, the best chance you have. As long as you're hunting an area smart and you're getting in and out without blowing deer out of there, you know, you might they might not be in there that day, they might not be moving that day, but hopefully you can get back in there the next day and and I'm again. a I'm a big believer in hunting karma too. Like if you just continue to do things the right way, yep. keep pressing. Um, you know, hunt stands that it's just especially right now, like there's there you can hunt stands that are safe and you're not even putting that much pressure and you still have a shot like on the days if you don't know like what's happening if you don't feel good about a situation just hang back it still can happen there yeah right now yeah that's exactly it i mean that's that's great advice too is if if you don't really have good intel to push in close to those bedding areas or get in you know that deeper timber pinch point then don't do it set up somewhere where you can see that you know an ideal situation would be where you can observe a travel corridor from a distance and, and still get out of there clean at night when the sun goes down and those deer are on their food source without bumping them. Because once you bump those deer off that food, then they're probably not going to show up there early the next night. You know, they're, they're going to start feeling the pressure. Again, it all comes back to hunting deer without them knowing that you're hunting them. But yeah, don't be afraid to observe. And also, you know, if you spend a few long days in the stand and you're not seeing much, don't be afraid to take a night off. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with taking a night off and, and, you know, driving around glassing from the truck or, just going back to the cabin, going back to the hotel, going back to your house a little bit early and just getting a good night's sleep, you know, sleep in the morning. If you, if you don't, again, if you don't have the confidence in the sit, don't beat yourself up, take a yep. day off, recharge your batteries. And, and, and sometimes that's all it takes to just look at it, you know, with a fresh perspective and, and make a better game plan. But it's, I, I think to the grind. I think it's, that's what I, I, I realized that a couple of years ago. I was like, why, like you don't throughout the season, I think I've talked about this before, but throughout the season, you don't have to hunt every single time just because you can hunt. And when you start doing that, and when you realize that when you sit back and like, hopefully like the thing, like the stuff that we provide you guys, hopefully you'll start realizing this. But when you lay everything out, like this is what I did. I lay everything out. I think about what happens when I sit in these places. And then what my decision-making process was to sit there. And for a long time, it was nothing besides I can hunt and I like that spot. 
and there or there's a big buck on camera right next to the stand <laughs> and you just barge in so then i sat back and i was like well how about i don't hunt as much in october like this is how my this is how everything evolved i was just like well don't hunt as much in october because it's a waste of time i got into the october lull thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden november was better so then i was like well geez must be right there but then i you know you start looking at trail gun pictures and i'm like well there was a bunch of daylighting big bucks through october but it's just certain times okay there's certain weather conditions oh there's certain like winds in this area with a you know one of those cold frosts in october where the, the main mature buck has been on his feet the last two out of three years or something mm-hmm. and it's like okay so i'm gonna get really 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 intentional about my sits in october so you're still holding yourself you're still not getting burnt out in october and then when november comes your property still doesn't have that pressure on it and I mean, you're going to have opportunities that you just didn't, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put this out into words for you. Like you just have, like all of a sudden things happen. Yeah. Like my cousin sat with me last year during the sad, I, the sit I did where uh, we killed that buck and we saw like 10, I think 10 over 10 bucks, like six to seven, three-year-olds. And then finally the buck that we ended up killing like mid morning. And he was just like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah, dude. I used to hunt that spot all through the year. First sit, first spot I'd sit in September, sit a couple times, a few times in October, sit it during the rut, just because I had a trail camera in there. It was always one of the better spots. And I was like, I just made a decision. I was just never going to sit there in October because it just doesn't make sense. You have to get in there. It, you know, you sit a lot of times you sit afternoons earlier in the season and thermals just drop off yeah. in there. And, and I was just getting busted all the time. And then the more you go back, the less you see. The more you go back, the less you see. Yeah, and a lot of problem, a lot of issues with stands like that in October is you can't see, right? When yeah. all the leaves are on the trees, you don't even know what's going on. So you, you can hurt yourself a lot more. You, than, you know, you put the time in, your... you put a little food plot in there. You want to sit in there. Mm-hmm. You want, like, you got mm-hmm. summer pictures. So you start hunting it. And then maybe you get some, maybe you get that October pictures, but you're late to the party and you're hunting it because you can hunt and you're not hunting yeah. it. Cause that's the same conditions as when you got it. So it's all those, like, I don't know. It's just, if you pay the amount for the challenge and just fill out the, like the, the um, tool that we give you, you're going to be ahead. Yeah. And if, cause if you haven't been doing that, that's literally what has excelled everything that we've done last few years. Yep. It's just been keeping notes and making adjustments and not just ramming your head into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, it's not smart to bash your head into a wall no, over I, and over again. I think everyone can agree with that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does come down to just having a plan. And like I said before, you know, you don't always have to have the best plan. There's always going to oh, be Oh, it's always evolving, plan. too. Like, there's, yeah. Yeah, and, and the best plans leave room for improvement, leave room for adjustment on the fly. And especially when you're hunting whitetails or deer in wisconsin i mean things change all the time you you can't come up with a plan and and just hunt it you know how many people hunt the same stands all the time and sometimes it's great you know i know a lot of guys that have that go-to rut stand and they kill deer consistently there they don't even hunt the rest of the year because they know that the first week in november if they sit in that stand it's going to be money but a lot of that also probably comes into play is the fact that there's no pressure in that area until they get in well and it's you know what they're hunting they just want to kill a mature like they're probably not hunting specific buck or you know it's which is fine too. I mean, it's not that I prefer to hunt a specific deer all the time. It's just that for the most of my life, I've only ever had one or two mature deer as an opportunity that fall. Right. So I had to really focus on one specific deer 
And I think you guys will find that too when you start filling out these, these uh, spreadsheets that if you have any historical data from these deer, you start mapping it out, whether it's one deer or multiple deer, like you're going to start to see patterns and you're going to paint this picture and light bulbs are going to turn on. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully the timing's right. You know, we're, like I said, we're pushing this out kind of short, short timeline here, but we really wanted to get it out the door to help people this year yet. Well, we only met two weeks ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg and, and uh, like Taylor said, there's, there's a lot, a lot more to come. I think it's going to be well, yeah, and I think we bring in technology to the hunting. Like I just think some people aren't, you know, we it's an technology is an incredible thing. Yeah, there's sure. there's no reason why we can't have these learning resources right at people's fingertips. And I, you know, there's a lot of as long as you know that's kind of our motto is we're always going to stay on the early cusp of any technology that comes out. So we're always going to be pushing pushing technology and always trying to get, to get people information the easiest way for you to consume it. But in order for us to do that, like it, it's going to cost money. Like yeah, well, you it pay takes time. It takes, yeah, it mean, takes time. It takes us a significant amount of time to pay for all the programs, like know, to get that information to you and get it to you in a format that you can utilize. You know, it, it's easy. Like I said, it's easy to sit here and, and talk and there's, there's a lot of good information thrown out there, but to, to really line it up and, and lay it out there in a way that helps you focus on the, the, the important factors of it. Mm-hmm and not just throw sales pitches in between every, every line, you know, that's even though this whole podcast is a sales pitch to buy this, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) don't judge us on that. Spread the word. (laughs) Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, do a lot of studying on how people learn. And I think it's important that I think people stop learning. I think that's a big problem. I know for some reason they get past college or high school and it was such a negative experience for a lot of guys or girls, especially people that we're probably talking to right now. And it's like, I can't even fathom opening a book or reading a book or, or going into a tech quote unquote course. Yeah. Well, um, and, and deer hunting is a whole nother level of that, right? Yeah. Because deer hunting is a very personal thing. Hunting in general is a very personal thing. I mean, it goes back to the roots of the very beginning of humanity right but it's it's hard because most people don't want to accept the fact that they don't know as much as they think they do about deer hunting so really you know if you've been successful and consistently successful then maybe this isn't the information that you need or want but if you want to look at it from another perspective and lay these things out maybe that can increase your success rate maybe it can narrow down the, your timing in the woods so you're not spending three weeks hunting and maybe you're only narrowing it down to you know one weekend mm-hmm. if you have that that ideal setup or maybe you've hunted for 20 years and you've only killed a couple of deer or, or no deer at all I mean, maybe this would be a, a huge benefit to you i mean i think there's a lot of information that we're going to be putting out in the near future that's going to benefit a lot of people from your, your new hunters, you know, you're very inexperienced or just getting into hunting all the way up to the people that have hunted for decades and, and have had success, but want to be more consistent with that success. Yeah. And it's a, this is a win-win for both people. Mm-hmm. So for you guys, the more people like you that come into our world that we can help, the more that we can spend on just learning as much as we possibly can. I think the biggest, like what kind of what he just said is I often just think that I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I go and try to figure it out and, and like, 
this constant pursuit of gathering information, consuming information, consuming content. Like if you knew how many books I've read on, <laughs> on, on just hunting, how many books I've read on food plotting, on, on farming, like it's, it's sickening. I mean, that's, that, I have to budget, I budget 20% of my income to just buy informational products, books, courses. And so it's, I don't, it, you know, you study people who are successful and that is something that, that is consistent. They don't stop learning and it's in, in, in any phase of life. Like you pay your accountant, you pay your realtor, you, you pay people who, who have done something, have learned something that you just, you haven't grasped yet. And I hope that we can become that resource for everybody. Yeah. Like I hope that our, like what you said, our obsession, our problem, where like, I just sit and read about farming, hunting and, and food plotting pretty much all year, different parts of the year. I'm reading different things. You know, February, I'm probably going to start reading up on timber management and, and learning everything I possibly can. And I really, like, I can nerd out on scientific articles. Like, <laughs> that, and I'd, I, don't, I couldn't fathom reading that stuff when I was 17, 18, yeah. 21. But I will sit and read article after article that is literally as dry as humanly possible. Like, you want to talk about, this might not be the most entertaining thing ever. That, that stuff is, like, sickening. I get, like, sick sometimes reading it. But... The, the stuff in it is just those guys are not getting paid by anybody. I mean, they're living <laughs> like yeah, biologists. I, I kind of I kind of like those dry. Yeah, it's just I mean, that's because it's just there's nothing that doesn't lack information. There's no not like there's no filler stuff. Yeah, it's just it's like just pure info. Yeah, and that's you know killing mature deer is an information game. It really is, and and the information that you obtain and understanding how to utilize it is going to directly relate to your success. Yes, right and. Yeah, reading a dry scientific journal. I mean, that's, I, I love that stuff. I, I went to school for wildlife biology. Oh, yeah, man. So it's like you, you read tons of that stuff, and it gets dry. But, again, when, when you get done reading it, you, you walk away with the facts and not, uh, oh, well, that was, you know, that was catchy, the way he used alliteration to explain <laughs> that. You know, it's like, you know, you don't care about that. You want to know the facts, and that's. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna make things entertaining down the road, but right now we just want to really get facts out there, and and that's the core of this of this whole experience for you is get you the information that you need, and in an evolving learning situation, like you like these things will the the mem- it's a membership site, so it's cool. Like you only get in it if you're if you you know if you are a special per- like if you're special and you want to extend your hunting capability that's the only way you get into this like not everybody gets going to get access to it and you can all be special you can be special oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so if we break down what is actually in it and it, you know it's it's exactly what we're going to be cover like going over what we think about when we're hunting in november and the first thing i challenge everybody to do whether you get in the course or not is just do a stand audit like audit your stands what how many stands you have what are your thoughts on how you were hunting them, when you're going to hunt them? Maybe you don't even think that way. Maybe you just think, hey, that stands the stand I'm going to hunt November 2nd because it's just what I do every year. And then you hunt, maybe you hunt one stand all week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I think that was a big game changer for me. Like I used to have, I remember the first couple of years bow hunting, I only had two stands and I wore them out. <laughs> like, wore them out and I didn't have stands anywhere else. And then slowly you start adding stands, start slowly, you start hunting from the ground, you know, God, I wish that there was as good of a 
well, I wish I could afford it then too, but I wish there was as good of like mobile setups as there is now. I would have been all over that. Man, I was buying $20 tree uh, peg thing. Like uh, I found $20 for four pack of those uh, like tree steps. The screw in tree steps? No, no, like oh, the strap yeah, ones. Yeah, the ones that creep 20 like bucks on eBay, I had these ones. And I thought it was awesome. 20 bucks, man, get 20 foot up in a tree, hang on. Widowmaker. Um, it was a cold, I'm a large human. It was a, a cold night. So they were frozen coming down the stand, snapped off, came. Luckily my jacket caught me on one of the stands. So I scraped, I still have a giant like welt on my uh, stomach from it. I came down and like hit, hit like my whole like chest mm-hmm. and everything on all the other steps. And my jacket caught on one of the steps, but like that was just me pushing stupidly pushing the envelope because i had you know no money yeah and trying to get like i kind of had that idea like if i should get more stands i get more opportunities kind of yeah. public service announcement yeah don't use safe equipment yes use lifelines or and don't be afraid to hunt from the ground if you don't like yeah yeah especially now with the saddle thing like scrape together the last 400 whatever dollars you have and and just buy one and then just that that'd be the one thing i wish i i just if I had something like that, I would have probably at the time and just gotten really used to mobile hunting at that time. But now I have like, I went through the spree of like buying four or five stands every year. So now I have set stands everywhere. So I'm not, I'm kind of out of the mobile game. I do have a lone wolf setup now, but. Yeah. Stand mobile's critical too, but you know, this time of year, especially if you've been hunting the property year after year, most likely you kind of understand where those funnels are and and you don't want to be in there messing around more than you have to right now. You want to be in there hunting. So yeah. that's, that's yep. huge. But be, the being able to go mobile is a huge advantage as well because, it's, again, you're in the right spot and that activity is a few hundred yards away. Well, how many times have you seen it? Well, you sit on one end of the field and all the action came out of that other corner. Well, you see that, especially this week, when you have a consistent wind like this. If you see action on the other side of that field and you can move closer to that action yep. and hunt safely and smart, then do it. You need to make a move because clock's ticking right now. Yeah, that's what I was considering. I think I'm going to start carrying in that lone wolf setup. And even if I go to a preset stand, I'll just set it at the bottom of the tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's just – not to mention when you're in there, you kind of understand what the wind's doing. So if you do need to move like 50 yards, it's not – you can sit there and plan your move. Like I'm always sitting in a stand, even in the pre-hung ones, and be like, um, I wonder if like over there it's it's actually a little bit better. And like – I don't know, carry a stand in. Yep. I mean, it sucks a little bit, but geez, as light those things are now, like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just adds to it, but you will be rewarded if you make those moves. Yes. Yeah. Well, unless you made, you have a story about how you made a move to the um, backfire. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That happens sometimes. Too. Oh, that's a bad one. That <laughs> yeah. don't even talk about it. Cause then we'll get into that. That's a later. scary one. That drives me crazy. That's a that's a mental game right there. That was a yeah. I mean that goes back to the rut grind. I mean that was early November. Same thing. That deer I spent what three full days in that area, and I watched that deer from sun up to sundown all three of those days, and could not get an arrow in him. Oh Jesus, that is. I ended up killing disturbing. him the next week. That's disturbing. But I burnt myself out. <laughs> I mean that that was one of those deer where going into the season. You know, I was like, oh, if I kill that deer, you know, he's just a, a basic bully 10-pointer. He didn't mean a ton to me because that was actually the season, one of the seasons I was pursuing that that giant. And, mm-hmm. But uh, 
by the time I killed that deer, he meant so much to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like worked so yeah, hard. Yeah, you start get you deer. start getting emotional with them now. Oh like, yeah, especially you if you got some history in October, and then now you're gonna start like I know I just buck two years ago that I had I had seen four different times on the hoof, which is pretty pretty rare in in the areas that we hunt too, because you you don't it's not like you can see forever. You don't get the glass deer up that much. And uh, yeah, heartbreaker, yeah. messed up. Uh, there that I'll share that one next week. Blame Weston still on that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, and we you know in I think one of the parts in the the course is how we're going to use previous years' experience and how do we use it to our advantage now. Um, one example of that is two years ago that same buck that I'm talking about had shifted <clears throat> end of October, early November. And right now I'm seeing the same activity from the buck I'm chasing right now, V-Town, who was alive then, but he was he was either three or four at the time, and he was not the mature buck. So what I'm starting to gauge on is, for whatever reason, that last part of October, first part of November, is whatever the mature buck is, they're moving through this specific area in the in mid-morning. And I think this is because they're bedded. We, we kind of went over the area earlier. I think they're just living on that middle ridge a lot mm-hmm. a lot more than i had anticipated before and because then from there they can go to any food source so i kind of have overlooked that area for a few years and i'm starting to hammer in on it but i overlooked it because i sat it earlier in my bow hunting life i sat there so much that i thought there was no deer there and that was when the wind was swirling like crazy. oh yeah, yeah. i mean yep. <clears throat> it's not a place that's easy to hunt but yep. i mean poke around the edges um so, and yeah, and it, you know, one of the modules is listing out top stands for the locations for the ruts. So just the basic stand locations, those funnels and pinches and getting kind of explain it in a way for you to understand. I think that was one of the difficult things for me to understand. Like what, what is a pinch once, what is a funnel? Like what the hell are these people talking about? You want to give an example of a, a good pinch? Yeah. A good funnel. I mean, <clears throat> I think. I think if you look too hard for a pinch or a funnel, you're going to really struggle, right? A, mm-hmm. a pinch point can be as simple as a hole in the fence or a, a deadfall that pushes deer down the hill. You know, those deer are going to traditionally follow certain elevation lines, and then all of a sudden you get a, a deadfall there, and in that year all those deer that would normally take that that trail maybe mid-elevation are all dropping down or they're all going high. So those are simple pinches to look for. Um you know, when you're in hill country, those ravines or those draws that come up and meet with the ridge where, where they get, a lot of times they'll get more washed out and, and steeper towards the top, those create phenomenal pinches. And then if you're lucky, you can find a spot on a ridge where you get one coming from both sides of the ridge, and that creates an even better pinch. And not only does it create a pinch to move deer, but it creates a pinch to move your scent, especially this time of year during the rut when you get those nice cold mornings and the sun comes up all that all those thermals are rising so you get in the middle of one of those pinch points you've got deer moving through there they're moving through there because one it's the path of least resistance but they're also moving through there because they can smell everything from the valley on each side of that pinch Mm -hmm. meanwhile you're 20 feet up in the tree and if you check your window and you're up there at eight o'clock in the morning when that sun's hitting the hillside it's going straight up i mean it's it's one of those setups that it's just a dream setup during the rut and uh you know but then you get pinch points that are created that in you know that inside corner of the field again it's all deer move 
path of least resistance and that resistance can be pressure. It can be vegetation. It can be a highway. It can be a fence line, you know, anything like that. So, you know, most of your trails are going to lead through a pinch point somewhere. You know, you find a spot where multiple trails converge on each other and, and there's a pinch there. And, and again, those thermal pinches are where it's pushing your scent up or, or straight down are, are just phenomenal areas to set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's more simple than people think. It's hard to... I think probably one of the easier things we can get into at some point in some of these videos is, is actually walking through them and showing people. But I think the easiest way for, for me to explain it to people is when you look at an open side hill, say, you're going to have multiple trails at different elevations, probably all working along the uh, the same uh, contour. Whenever, yeah, whenever you're, you're explaining, like whenever, like say, picture four th- trails, you lift, put up four fingers on your hand. And then all of a sudden, those four things meet because of some type of physical barrier, land, um, topography, whatever it is. That's what you look for. So it's, it's really as simple as that. Like now there's land features that you can see on a map that cause that. And you can almost, you know, guarantee that it's going to be there. And those ditches are for sure. Ditches, saddles, you know, yeah. even when you hunt out west in the mountains, you're looking for those big saddles. And you come back here to the Midwest, and, and animals operate the same way. It might not be a thousand foot elevation change; it might be fifty feet, might even be twenty five feet. But again, it's the path of least resistance. And those deer have been traveling that same area for hundreds of years, really. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously not the same deer, but they follow those trails. Once those trails get cut into those areas, where are they going up and over that hill? They're going to go one spot that's a little bit lower than the other spot because it's a path of least resistance. And that's those are the spots that are easily overlooked by a lot of people, but saddles a good spot. Those ravines are good spots. Inside corners of fields are good oh, spots. Dude. Dikes of ponds. I Dikes just... and ponds. Old fence lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was one of my go-to pinches for a long time. Was there was this old fence that ran through the woods, and it wasn't even that great of a fence. But there was one spot where the top strand of wire <laughs> it's was so broken. stupid. <laughs> it's just like that's like where a the deer raggedy ass loose fence line. Yeah. If a tree would have, would fall on another part of it, it'd be down. And it's yeah. not like they can't just, I mean, you see deer jump over just Anything. effortlessly, yeah. whatever. And then you find that one little, one little gap and they're just, they just, they can't help themselves. And trail cameras, people. I mean, when you're out scouting, if, if you find a spot that you think is a pinch point, it might not be as obvious as that hole in the fence, throw a camera up over it. And cameras, you can get away with a lot on those too because they're yeah. just they're they're moving by quick. So yep. it's not like you know you hang it a little bit above their vision, and a little you, above their vision, and a little off the trail. Don't put yep. it right on the trail. Again, it goes back to that them noticing something different. Don't put it where it's going to be right in their face. But yeah, get it back a little bit, a little up out of the way, and on a trail where they're moving through the woods, and you'll know right away if it's a good pincher or not. Yeah, and we were just talking about that before we started. I had hung cameras. <laughs> back in july on you know little like ditch crossings and and areas that you can see funnels forming and got nothing but dough until the last two weeks and then all of a sudden it's like almost discouraged by it like in the summer i was like god damn it why nothing's taking this yeah i went down there a couple times like is this camera broken and uh yeah now it's just every day every day something a buck goes through there yeah now yeah don't don't get discouraged this time of year if your cameras that were firing tons of pictures of bucks that are not showing bucks and 
because you know if you only have a couple cameras out then yeah. that might be what you see they're just doing something different yep the deer are just doing different stuff exactly and yeah. you know again right now you're going to start seeing those doe groups break up you're going to start seeing fawns without their moms because she's off either trying to hide from all these young bucks that have been harassing her or she's on a hot date for the next four or five days with that big burly buck mm-hmm. so yeah just uh he's touching her yeah <laughs> inappropriately most, and aggressively most likely, most likely most likely heavy heavy petting <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i think uh we really dive into the wind wind and thermals in there too wind and thermals that's gonna be the big one people are you just once you understand that and i get it because i went through it i could not wrap my mind around it. i don't i didn't understand it um, the simplest way to put it, we dive into it much deeper, obviously inside the, um, course, but grab some milkweed. If you don't know what milkweed is, look it up on Google. You find it in every road ditch right now. It was a good year for it and just take it out with you and just constantly throw it. Yeah. Constantly throw it. The wind, the little wind checker things that you buy don't hold a candle to it. I mean, there's just, you don't, you can't get a grasp on what happens until you, yeah, <laughs> until you see the milkweed that when it like swirling through the woods and then it, it like, it'll like just go through all the trees and then all of a sudden whoom, shoots yep. up in the air, or zips down into a, and you're like, oh, that's why that doll busted me like last year in this spot. And when you're, when you're checking the wind with milkweed, throw that milkweed out there when the wind's not blowing, throw it out there when the wind is blowing. Yeah, every, everything, every chance you can, if you're bored in the stand. Like Taylor said, just fill your pockets full of milkweed. If you're out in the woods and you find milkweed pods, fill your pockets full of milkweed. One pod should last you all year. Oh, There's so much stuff if in you're there. Bored, yeah. If you're bored sitting in a tree stand, get off your phone and start throwing wind checkers out there. Yeah. That's the only way you learn. And it's crazy because you'll be in a spot, you know, just the spot I was in the other day on, on uh, Monday night, I slipped into a spot. And when the wind was blowing hard, I, you know where the wind's going when the wind's blowing hard, right? Yep. Until it starts hitting the land or, the, you know, a, a topographical feature and starts bending around a corner or something. But for the most part, when you're sitting in a stand, you can feel the wind hitting you in the face. You know where that wind's going, at least in the shorter distance. But when that wind starts to die down, throw that milkweed out there. Or you can feel that gust dying down. Throw that milkweed out so it gets 20, 30 feet away from you and then watch what it does when that wind drops. Yep. And you'd be surprised. It'll either suck straight down on those draws or go straight up or bend around a corner or go where you didn't expect it to go. And those are the situations where you start looking at them and maybe you start to understand why you're not seeing deer in an area where you had a camera and there was tons of deer on it. And then you go hunt that spot and it seems like a great spot, but you're not seeing the deer. Are those deer picking you up hundred yards, 200 yards downstream? You know, not every deer, especially a mature buck, he's not going to come in 200 yards away, catch your scent, stomp and blow at you. He's just going to turn around and leave. Have you ever heard like the balloon theory about buck betting? Mm. that people have found oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh like, yeah you're talking like the public land guys that are finding yes yeah people support, let their like, balloons go and find a balloon dead in the woods yeah yeah i've heard that theory and there's a buck bed there yeah and the idea is that like <clears throat> so think of a balloon being just completely dead weight as light as probably about anything when it goes when it goes flat whatever the wind combined with thermals take it to a place and there, the theory behind it is that the place that it ends up is so advantageous that it just naturally that things, the wind and thermals combined, take things there. Mm-hmm. And they're finding buck beds in those spots. 
because the bucks will go and find the best spot in the area and that's where they that's where they live yeah and and now i don't know like how it, yeah I, don't, I mean it's pretty the theory, pretty crazy the the theory what taylor's trying to explain is you know again these bucks like to bed where they're catching the wind from their back and the thermals in their face so essentially mm-hmm. if you have this deflated you know dying balloon that's falling from the sky and <laughs> it's catching the wind and then it, the wind pushes it over to the valley and then the valley's got these thermals rising and it kind of hits this break in, in that air movement where it, it kind of just hangs and, and eventually settles and yeah i mean I, I can get behind the theory but obviously i mean i've found plenty of balloons in the woods that are definitely not in good bedding areas but <laughs> you found plenty of balloons in the I've, woods i mean over the last <laughs> couple of decades i've probably found seven or eight balloons really yeah i mean between hunting the midwest and northern wisconsin like bear hunting up there out huh. west even i mean can't say i've ever found a balloon people, first of all if you're listening to this and you're standing outside with a balloon don't let it go pop it yeah. <laughs> because nothing's worse than picking up garbage when you're out in the woods but yeah i've found a lot of balloons like it's it's weird finding balloons like that yeah you think about how what was this balloon like come a long ways probably yeah sometimes maybe they do sometimes maybe they're from the neighbor's birthday party i don't know (laughs) yeah that that is odd um but yeah i had brought someone out to videotape me this year and they were like jesus you just sit and throw milkweed like all day or what and yeah essentially i i toss it pretty much all like all the time yeah when i'm sitting because you'll feel a little kick and you'd be like, what is, what is that? And throw your milkweed out. Like I do, I think too, like I feel those like little like streams and you throw milkweed out and it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like, maybe it's like a little like wind hitting the tree weird or something. Yeah. And it actually isn't true. Cause then you throw the milkweed out and then it stays where you, where it has been. Um, but that, that all kind of comes into play too. And, and obviously we've talked about this before. It's a, a topic we can talk about for days. Oh right? yeah, for days. But, you know, if you're in an area that has a higher stem count, wind's going to move differently through there. Yeah. You know, you get an area that's got bigger trees and and more void spaces, or an area that's got a lot of small trees. Yeah, you know, it moves differently, and there's a science behind it. I mean, it's not really worth breaking all that stuff down. You really just have to find those areas that you want to be hunting, and start checking the wind and kind of just understand how it moves through there. I mean, yeah, there's people that. I have, I have heard stories of, of like, this is a little bit aggressive. I've never gone to this level, but going out in like March and February and sitting in a stand and starting a fire mm-hmm. <laughs> in like different parts of a day. Yeah. I mean, all power to it. You probably will get a good understanding of what's happening there, but. Um. A, so I actually, a couple of weeks ago, I contacted this company that builds these big smoke machines for yeah. like uh, Hollywood movies. And I was just curious because I wanted to kind of, rent one and test that out in a couple areas i was curious if they made if they had a way to make colored smoke they didn't unfortunately because i wanted to show that like i think it'd be really cool you know you can check it with milkweed but i think it'd be cool to map that out on a, on a big scale mm-hmm. really show people from you know the drone oh that would be one sick. color from the bottom one color from the top well those, those uh move morning and evening i know people use those smoke bombs a lot mm-hmm. i don't know if you could get enough visual appearance for a drone but Let's try that out this winter. Yeah. Put people in six different stands and then just yeah, everyone let it go at the same time and then fly a drone over it. Yeah. That'd be sick. See, I mean, 
as long as people are buying, we can, we, I mean, we got all, we got all day, all night, <laughs> all year to just come up with shit to help you guys hunt. And, uh, I mean, there's just, I don't know anything else you want to say about it. There's we get more in depth. There's more, you know, you get all the tools in there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a lot, there's a lot of info and it's a, and it's a ta- like, it's, it's a test for us too. Like to see if this is something that people want, you know, if it's, if it's not, then a lot of this is driven by questions. Like, like yeah, Taylor we get, said. yeah, I mean, get questions and ends up being the same questions and we might as well put it in a format that everyone can consume. Yeah. And I mean, we both, we both enjoy answering questions like you said, you get a lot of people asking a lot of the same questions. It, it kind of just opens your eyes to a lot of the answers that people are not getting from the other information that they're, they're pulling in. Yeah. So this is, again, this is just a tool and you know, what is it? $27, $27 for this first course. Yeah. Cause it's the first rounds so was a beta version. Yeah. So we want to see if people like it or. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this, you can be one of the very first customers and you can provide tons of feedback and help us make better content down the road. You can give us feedback on more topics, maybe maybe things that you think about that we don't think about. And uh, you know, I challenge you to find something, yeah, that you think about that we're not thinking about, and then yeah, put it out there because if it's something that we think is is uh, important, like I'll probably go psycho and, and figure it out. <laughs> I think we both will. Yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> I mean, because we're in the same boat, you know. I've, I've been successful over the last decade because I've literally done everything I possibly could do to put the odds in my favor, everything. And that a big part of that is obsessing. I mean, mm-hmm. If you want something bad enough, you're going to get it. You're yep. going to make it happen. It's just a, a dedication thing. But when you're trying to learn an area, you, you have to work for it, right? You can, you can wish for something or you can work for something. Which one's going to come out in your favor, right? Yeah, because, I mean, our goal, like any, anyone, and, and I think people, this this pushes people and, like, kind of discourages people too because, you like, right now even, you look, you open up Facebook and Instagram and it is un- endless big buck pictures because mm-hmm. it's starting to happen. Like, people are getting it done now. And you're like, well, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, we'll sit back and, like, we're the ones putting this course on, and, like, we both haven't killed one yet. Like, what's wrong with us? But it's just, it's, it's, it's not, like, you can't judge your situation off other people's. You can't. No, and it's hunting, right? Every, yeah. every situation's different, and there's so many variables involved. You, yeah, so many. You, the first thing with hunting is nothing's owed to you, right? No. You can't go out there and expect to be successful every time you can't even expect to be successful every single season. Again, it comes down to doing everything you can to put those odds in your favor, pick that stand, pick that sit, you know, that the timing, the location, everything that is going to give you the best chance possible. But you know, if you're not hunting a giant tract of land, sometimes your moves are limited as, you know, by as simple a thing as a fence line, right? If you're only hunting 40 acres, that's a lot of a lot of the hunting that I do is hunting these corners of the farm. We're not hunting a huge land. We're not managing a huge chunk of land. What I always like to say is, you know, you're trying to pattern a very specific mature deer. It's like duck hunting from the cabin and shooting out the chimney, mm-hmm. right? Like your timing has to be absolutely perfect, and you have a very narrow window of opportunity a lot of times. And I mean, I can't tell you how many deer over the years I've missed those windows of opportunity, and the neighbors killed them. 
lot of deer. I, I try not to get emotionally invested in any deer anymore because <laughs> there's a good chance. I mean, already once this year, a deer that I had an opportunity on and, and, you know, I was probably just a half hour too late. I was really trying to play a wind change. And by the time I got to the hunting spot, the wind had already shifted. That deer was on his feet and that was that. And then a couple weeks later, he got killed by the neighbors and that, that's just hunting. You know, like props to the neighbor, you know, great for them. They've been working hard to kill mature deer for a long time. So I'm, I'm happy for them. And that's another thing too, is you can't get discouraged by your neighbors having success. If you're sharing the same goal, you're all going to be successful at the end of the day. Yep. And I, 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 I believe in the whole hunt. Like I believe in the hunting karma. I think the best hunters are overly positive people that, cause you have to be, cause you, you literally strike out 99% of the time. Yeah. Like literally you strike out 99% of the time. You have to be overly confident, overly positive. And then just do things right. Like think about what you're doing. Have, you know, take care of the land that you're around. Take care of the, the animal that you're trying to hunt. Like don't leave deer just out to rot and die. And like it's all the stuff goes together. And over time you will, no matter what, I, get, I can 100% guarantee you, you will be rewarded at some point if you just do things correctly. Yeah. Be proficient with your weapon. Yeah. Because all the stuff we're talking about, Oh, all it's... the time you put it in, in the woods, all the time you put it in, in the off season, if you're not proficient with that weapon, when that animal comes in and your nerves are standing on end and you either miss that shot, I mean, that's horrible experience in and of itself. But if you make a bad shot and injure an animal and you don't find that animal, there's no worse feeling in the world. And it will happen. I mean, if you hunt long enough, you've either had that happen or you're going to have that happen at some point. Again, there's a lot of variables involved. Things happen. Mistakes are made. But... Most of it comes back to just simply practicing and being proficient with your weapon. And yep. you just, everything. I mean, you're, the, the karma, like you said, like you owe it to the animal, you owe it to your neighbors, you owe it to yourself, to your family. I mean, that's, a, that's how I look at it a lot of times, right? Like, especially now when I have a, a, a young family and I'm raising a family, it's like, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can so that my time in the woods is spent, you know, with, with a good opportunity of success. I, I love being out in the woods. If I could have it my way, I would spend most of my time in the woods, but I can't do that anymore. You know, I'm spending as much time as I possibly can in the woods, but I still have a family to take care of. So you owe it to yourself if you have a family too, to do everything you can to make those decisions, pick your time, pick your location and make the most of those sits and, and just be positive the whole time. It's a grind. Everything's a grind. And one year you might hunt the entire season and not kill a deer. The next year you might kill a deer in your first sit of the season. Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah, I know I'm going to get it this year. I know it's going to be a grind. It's mm-hmm. going to be a complete grind because last year I got lucky on like the November 2nd. It was only like the probably the second or third sit on that farm. And, yeah, it's going to come back around to you. Yeah. <laughs> like Probably going to be sitting here November 14th still just grinding. But, oh, man, that's what makes it worth it, though, in the end. It does does so i think we'll wrap it up a long one it was a good one though i kind of have a habit of that yeah yeah at least we're drinking this time yeah just last time it was ridiculous a headache the next day <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'll throw the link in this episode um i'm sure if you follow us you've probably already heard heard about it anyways but um we would obviously greatly appreciate anybody going in and buying it um, there's also going to be an option um, when you are purchasing to upgrade your purchase to getting an actual one-on-one um, strategy call 
with both of us or just Tom, Thomas, Jesus. And, uh, that's once again, not very much. Um, but just for us, for a way for us to, um, kind of minimize and save some time, get out in the tree, or, you know, charge a little extra for that. If you want to upgrade, you can actually get on one-on-one with us. Um, and we'll help you, we'll help you work this out together. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, if you're in a situation where you've been tracking a deer all year, especially if you have a couple years of history with that deer and you're really chomping at the bit to make some moves, let us know. Like we're here to help. I mean, it's something I've been doing for quite a few years with just friends and, and a lot of people that I don't even know. I mean, that's another one of the reasons why I've kind of made this push towards putting more information out there is because we, I mean, we have the knowledge and we want to share it as much as we can. And in that situation, yeah, we'd love to sit down. We'll set up a time. We'll look at maps of your property. We'll break down the entire property. We'll look at the history of the property, your stand location, your lo- locations of your stands. And, you know, we'll just, again, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll talk about those things to put those odds in your favor and, and give you the best chance of, of making a move on that deer. And, and obviously the, the, the clock is ticking right now, right? We've got a few weeks of season left. Um, we've already, we're already booked up with a handful of these phone calls right now. So if that is something that's on your mind, let us know right away or, you know, go to that yeah. link right away and, and sign up because we're both hunting also, right? We're still in the woods. So we, we don't have unlimited amount of time right now. And, and obviously the next, you know, what, 10, 15 days is all you're going to get. And then things are yeah. going to change. And you know, if, it, if, if, if this is later in the year too, though, don't be, I mean, if it's for gun hunting, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or even uh, if you're just it's trying an to open get a, invite. Yeah. If yeah. you're trying to get a head start on next season, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot more things coming down the pipe. We're going to yep. try and break this down. We're going to offer more courses. We're going to offer more one-on-one and, and, uh, you know, almost like coaching opportunities as much as we can. It, we, we're trying to share as much information as we can. We want to see you guys be successful. That's yeah. really our ultimate goal. Oh, and I, we just want to learn everything we can too. Yeah. You know, you know, you're oh. probably gonna teach us some stuff as well. Some of the stuff that you yeah, have going on in your property. We're always learning. And, yeah. And the more people we talk to, the more we learn too, you know, just oh, getting a feel for more situations. There is nothing more that I love just looking at people's property and saying, Hey, well, what have you seen? And, and, that's a big thing. Like you need to, you need to have that ready too. Like you need have your, well, you'll, you'll go through it. Like we're going to pull it out of you in this, but yep. have your, have your uh, encounters ready. Like have your experiences ready because there's nothing worse than we just looking at a map. Like I can give you some pointers on it, but like it's such big information to know where mature bucks have been in the past in daylight. Yeah. And if like, you're, if you're listening to this and you're not already taking notes when you're out sitting hunting throughout the season start doing so like yeah. i would strongly advise taking notes in whatever form or fashion you prefer but jot down notes jot down that location you're hunting the time the day the wind direction the temperature as many details as you want to cram in there i personally jot those things down i you know i try to make note of where deer come from where they go um, you know a lot of times you're out there and deer come from where you expect but then all of a sudden deer will come from a spot you didn't expect write that down when you get a chance, go through those notes, look at a map. Why did that deer come from there? The more you can understand, the better off you're going to be. And at some point, we will um, hopefully develop a tool for you. Yeah. Right yeah. now, we got these sheets. Um, they are in the main, like, we got a lot of stuff coming on the pipeline. Yeah. It's going to be a busy so, winter for us. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. 
So we appreciate your time. If you're still hanging in there, like up, like us, subscribe, leave a review. I think Tom will be Thomas will be much more of a um, frequent visitor here. Oh, I've got um, a an official email address now, right? Yeah, Thomas at 1080outdoors.com. You want to shoot him an email? Plow into that email with him. <laughs> I challenge everyone to overwhelm his email <laughs> account. <laughs> he hey, he's got free time now. So yeah, especially after season. Geez, you're gonna have a lot of free time. Yeah. As long as I tag out soon, then I'll have more free time. But yeah, we'll see. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, feel free to reach out with any questions, um, any issues with ordering this. Reach out, and we'll get it fixed up. And good luck over the next few weeks. It truly is the prime time. And yeah, appreciate you listening. Take care.